Welcome to the latest word from the church at Severn Run. Our church is located in Severn, Maryland, and is easily accessible from anywhere in the D.C. Baltimore area. You can subscribe for regular updates or check in weekly for the latest information by using our website, severinrun.com. Thank you for visiting. And now, today's message. Today I want to uh, just touch base with you about one of the, the most subtle turning points uh, there is in the life of, of a disciple. Many of the turning points we've talked about are, are pre-faith and, um, and, and early post-faith. This is a turning point that tends to come uh, a little bit uh, later into the, the faith journey. And I want to talk to you today about the turning point of when, when rules become God. Uh, because it's a very subtle shift, but one that has been persistent. This has been a persistent infection in Christianity for 2,000 years. And the reason it's an infection in Christianity is because it's just an infection in the heart of, of human beings. There's something in our nature um, that loves the certainty of rules and the power they give and the justification they give. And it is far more uh, secure, far more comforting in an odd kind of a way um, than, than living in the tension of faith is. And so what I want to challenge you to do today is really fairly simple. It is to reject legalism, um, you know, and, and to identify it. Uh, and primarily not to do so judging other people, but looking in the mirror and seeing in your own life where there are areas where your faith is based more on, on religious rules and religious culture and religious brand loyalties than it is on a growing personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because you, the, the, the truth is we're all masters at missing the point. Now, how many of you all, as husbands and wives, experience perfect communication um, every blissful day of your being? <laughs> Several of you, and those raising your hands, are probably in some point of trouble with your spouse. <laughs> and you're sucking up, or you're about to be in trouble with your spouse, as they look at you like, what? You're crazy. You know, it is so funny. Um, how, how much we miss the point. Um, we, we joke around here all the time. Um, you know, Pastor John and I, Pastor Ben and, and, and John and, and the rest, the, the, the staff, Stephen, everybody, it's like, so we're professional communicators and we'll have this meeting and then afterwards walk out and say, okay, here's what I understood. Is that what you understood? No. What? How's that even possible? And, and what's true at just a verbal, intellectual level is like the layers of the onion, true at every level of life and, and deeply true at our spiritual level, that we are all masters at missing the point of, of what this revelation teaches. Because the truth is, it's just relationship. Now turn to your neighbor and let them know in the kindest, most care, you know, careful way that it's just relationship. So we're starting today just acknowledging from the beginning that we're all masters at missing the point. I am, you are, but it is just relationship. That is the point. And one of the crucial turning points of faith is rejecting the easy legalism that, that the human heart longs for. 
Legalism is a cheap alternative to grace-based living. And grace-based living from a broken heart. Um, because there's something foundational that has to happen before you can ever be an authentic follower of Jesus Christ. Um, to be an authentic follower of Jesus Christ, something has to happen in your life that, that, that is about brokenness. Um, and so, so here I am and, and I'm gonna, I want to, you know, like there's, there's this Jesus out here. And, and, and right now it might just be the idea of Jesus or whatever. But, but whether I, I can get to Jesus or not really all depends on, on this point right here of, of brokenness. And, and we want to kind of find ways around the brokenness, you know, but you really can't do it because to be unbroken means that, that you're still in control. And when I talk about brokenness, uh, uh, what I'm talking about a lot is, is us demanding control, you know, so, so that's the issue. Um, to come to Jesus requires... A, a brokenness of surrender where you and I um, experience the pain of giving up control. It's, it's kind of an insanity loop that we're all living in. Because our control only brings brokenness to life, right? Here's a communication code. This means yes, this means no. So, so our brokenness and you know, you've heard me say when I drive the car of my life, I always wreck it. It's just true. Our brokenness um, or our control brings its own kind of, of bad and broken to life. And yet we stubbornly, it's kind of like steering the car and pressing on the brake after it goes off the cliff. Really, you're not doing a whole, yeah, you're in control of the wheel, but you're really, you know, not doing a whole lot of good in the situation. And so, so we're in a control that's not working and we don't want to give up a control to a God who will make life work. And that's the foundational point. What we get when we, when we move towards Jesus without broken um, uh, is, is very different. When, when, we, when we move towards Jesus with, without a broken, what we get is we get religion. And, and religion is based on a lot of things, but... In addition to control, religion is also based on rules. And these rules can be written and unwritten. Um, you know, in, in my home church, uh, we had a lot of written and unwritten rules. Any of y'all kind of had any, uh, been part of a church that had some written and unwritten rules? Um, I'm going to take a chance here. Please don't make me regret it. Okay? So... So what were some of the, um, the unwritten rules? Let me give you one example. Like one church um, had the rule that you could never under, under any circumstance like, you know, go to an R-rated movie. Which as a principle is a good principle. But if you're a, um, you know, let's say you're an active duty military guy and, uh, or one of the men in our church who's been to Vietnam is watching Saving Private Ryan going to send you to hell? Probably not. You know, some other movies that are, you know, but anyway, that was just a rule in our life. So if you did go to an R movie, what you did is you just hid it, right? And you hoped you didn't see anybody else from church. 
there was one Christian school that had this rule and none of the teachers could go to R-rated movies. And, um, and when you went to the movies, you know, you could always see them walking to theater number six, you know, kind of like this, you know, it's like, but what were some of the rules you guys experienced or religious rules? Oh, thank you. Women had to wear dresses um, and, 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 yes, and skirts. That was, you know, and if you came in without that, what happens if a guest came in without that? They got the look. <laughs> See? See, we're subtle in our hypocrisy, right? We're not going to openly own our stuff and say, hey, look, we're judgmental and we have arbitrarily decided uh, that there's this dress standard that Jesus said nothing about, but we're going to, we've made this, so you can't stay here. We don't, we don't have the guts to do that. We're just, it's true. All right. What else? What else? Any other things you guys, what? No cards. Oh, my grandfather, uh, those, they, they, they were devil cards. You just didn't even say cards. They were devil cards. Devil cards. Wow. Dancing? Now that worked out well for me because I couldn't anyway. But I had, had I had some moves, that would have been a real heartbreak. But in our church, you could not dance. So I guess David dancing before the Lord, I don't, he couldn't have been a Baptist. Any others? No electric, guitars. no electric guitars. How about drums? Them's devil drums. Some of y'all still think that, so it's all right. So, so the simple point is that we, we come up with all of these, these rules and these rituals. Um, and, and, and we're just making stuff up. You know? You sometimes just look in the mirror. You need to look at ourselves. We need to call ourselves on our own uh, BS. That's Baptist stuff, please. None. <laughs> what did you guys think? <laughs> we need to call ourselves on our, our, on our own, you know, kind of hypocrisy and recognize that, that, that legalism really is a lot like, uh, I think that's right, is is a lot like gravity. And legalism is this downward pull. So, so we, we have our eyes open to see our brokenness and our desperate need like, like being in a car wreck. It's not too um, unusual for someone bleeding in a car wreck to realize they need a hospital. And, and one of the images that just, I'm struck in my mind that I saw, there's not a whole lot of reporting live from Aleppo because it's such a dangerous place, but after one of the recent Russian bombings, um, where there, you know, um, there, 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 there are rescuers, not many left, but there are rescuers digging a family out of a building and, and pulling a child out. And where, where do they take that, that child covered in dust and, and that broken little boy's body? Where are they going to take that, that little guy while he's breathing? Where, where do you go? You rush to the hospital, right? We're going to come back to that in a, in a minute. And a part of of authentic faith is recognizing I am broken, I am hurt, I am, I am in danger and I need help. And Jesus is the rescuer. And so, so the, the, the process of rushing to Jesus is where healing begins. And then Jesus takes our lives and he, he brings us into relationship. And, and, and in relationship, um, what happens is, is that we soar. 
and, 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 okay, this is a bird, in case you, you know, little beak. That's acceptable. I never said I could draw. And so, you know, we, when we believe Jesus helps us defy the gravity of, of earth and, and, and of its brokenness, its despair, its hopelessness, its self-centeredness and anger. And, and the, the, the energy of woundedness, Jesus lets us soar in life. But, um, you know, we, we still, though, experience the downward pull of gravity. And if you're not very, very careful in your spiritual journey, if you've had an authentic start and been broken and come to Jesus and, and experienced real hope in life, if you're not very, very careful, at some point you will stop soaking in the presence of God and, and being near the warmth and love and joy of God and, and, and you're going to take a step back into the deadly ease of legalism. You're going to give in to the, the downward pull of, of rules and, and ritual and, uh, and empty living. Gravity is relentless. There's not a day that goes by that it doesn't continue uh, to, to do its work. And, and another analogy is to think of your life like an airplane. You know, it takes fuel to keep moving forward. And the good news is we have an infinite source of fuel in, in the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. But when an airplane stops moving forward, when gravity begins to win, what happens? It crashes. And and. and most of all of almost all of the the ugliness and the damage that's been done in Christian history and in your church history is because we missed the point. And instead of living from an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ, at some point, um, rules and ritual and and uh, and legalism took over and and produced a, a huge mushroom cloud of, of disaster. The downward pull of legalism and its gravity uh, stops the, the, the heart from soaring in the humility of total God dependence. Totally depending on, uh, in a world we can see, to depend on a God that we can't see. Legalism makes us earthbound control freaks. You know, where, where we're not going to trust the God of the universe, we're going to trust ourselves. We may invoke his name, but we're still demanding to be in control. We've been hurt, we've been wounded, we're uncertain, we're unhealed, and so we're going to keep our hand on the wheel regardless. Legalism is a false God life. It just is. And, and it's based on an ever-growing set of written and unwritten religious rules. And these religious rules and the religious cultures and clubs that they produce um, become the means by which we justify ourselves. And, and, and we have these check boxes, you know. Um, you know, I've done this. I've, I've acted happy. I've prayed on my knees. I, I'm, I'm appearing like a Christian, you know. And I checked the box and I checked the box and I checked the box. I went to church on Sunday, you know, um, and, and, and it becomes a, a matter of, of being justified by, by rules that we can do and control rather than a relationship that, that is more ambiguous and, and, and less defined. In 
Biblical Christianity, we are only justified by faith through grace. And our faith is in the person of Jesus Christ. That's the only leg I have to stand on. I'm, you know, when I look in the mirror, I just see a broken human being loved by God. Um, when you all look, you see a pastor who, you know, I, you know, you know I'm not perfect, but somehow you guys still think I'm different, which I guess is okay. And maybe I shouldn't be letting you in behind the curtain. Sorry. <laughs> Forget that. I got it all together. I have the perfect family. My dogs are perfect. <laughs> they do not poop on the grass. The... The justification that I have and that you have is one and the same. It is the love of God in the life of Jesus. And this is a gift. So, so you know, um, I, I cannot be personally proud of something I did not earn. I received this. And so there's a, there's a real humility that comes when we understand that our justification is from Jesus, not ourselves. There's a pride that grows when, when I think I did it. It's like some of us at a football game. You know, somebody, some 22-year-old down there is busting their backside and, and has, has hurt for, for, for years in the gym and they score a touchdown and we're up there acting like, woo, you know, I did it. Really? You know, he, he kind of did. I'm glad you're happy. But legalism makes us proud and we justify ourselves. In, in legalism, it becomes the means by which we decide who's in and who's out. And in my home church, uh, we were really the only ones in. Everybody else was out. And unconsciously, we defined our church as the kingdom of God. Well, it's not. No denomination is the kingdom of God. I'm not saying that differences don't matter. They do. But, but we're all masters at missing the point. And it's just relationship with Jesus. That's the point. And, and these religious rules and religious cultures and clubs, uh, after we decide who's in and out, then, it, then we begin to devalue and exclude those that we put outside. And we, we're always putting people outside, you know? Uh, for years and years and years, we had segregated churches and we put people outside. Um, sometimes, you know, we want people who come to, to gather in worship, uh, you know, we want them to be... Uh, you know, clean and acceptable. Well, you know what? We don't want clean and acceptable people. We want broken people. And if somebody who smells come inside, um, well, you know what? Their outside may look like your inside. And you may look, just look really nice. That was one of the other rules, you know, early on. You know, we were taught, you know, well, you, you're supposed to, to bring your best to God. So wear a tie. So bringing your best to God is about appearances, not the substance of, of who you are and how you love. Yeah, pretty much. As long as you look good, you're okay. <laughs> um, I went to the funeral of one of our staff members' fathers who was a lousy father. A lousy father. And, um, and one of the ministers up there, I'll, I'll just, you know was up there just talking about how good he looked all his life, how good he looked. Going, really? But, you know, in, in that religious club, uh, looking good was a value. Being good really didn't matter. Legalism. 
feels like the most authentic way uh, to, to come to God. You know, that we establish a lot of rules and do's and don'ts and, uh, and that we just live hard inside of those. You know, um, we, we have the rules, you know, um, you know, yeah, if it's, if it's fun, it's sin, stop it, you know. So we, we just have all the rules and, and I'm not saying that anything goes. No, 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 no. It's, it's relationship. But, but legalism is actually a self-serving way to avoid surrender to God and for you to stay in control. Legalism is about you and I orchestrating the appearance of being close while actually living with a heart that's far distant from God. So today I want you to be on your guard and aware if you want the kingdom of heaven in your life, if, if while you breathe on earth, because there will come an end to your, your time on earth, your heart has a certain number of beats. When the last one is over, eternity comes and then the judgment um, and, and, and ultimate reality will be experienced in, in heaven, in the presence of God, in hell, in the absence of God. But before that time, here and now on earth, if you want to dare to believe in the reality of, of a God who is and, and you want to experience him, then you're going to have to do that um, through a close, growing, personal relationship with Jesus Christ that is out to change the world. It's just relationship. And you and I are all masters in, in majoring on minors and missing the point. In John 1.14, the scripture says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. It, it means he lived with us. I don't know if you've ever had anybody live in your house, you know, um, that wasn't a blood relative, but that's kind of what this is talking about, except, except the person living in your house is someone who's, who's invited to make their home there. The word, capital W, Jesus became flesh he knows what you feel and, and, and how you hurt. He knows what it is to be lonely. Uh, he has shed tears. He has longed for things that, that he chose not to have. Jesus has felt everything you and I have felt. And he is, he is close to us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Guys, I just want to share with you that the glory of God cannot fit in the rules of men. It, it can't happen. And we follow a living word of God, Jesus Christ, not a written moral code. Ephesians 5.1 said, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Free to live in a, in a dynamic, personal, close relationship with Jesus. To be God-guided by the voice of the very Son uh, of the Father. To be indwelt by the very Spirit of the Father. That's our, our life. That's our journey. That provides our boundaries and, and leads us in principle. And, and every day we live with the, the power and the possibility of the voice of Jesus saying, follow me. Jesus, I don't know what to do in my, my marriage, my relationship. Jesus says, follow me. I do, I know. I got this. Well, Jesus, I, I feel really, um, you know, I, I'm hurting and I'm lonely uh, at this point. And, and I, I know, follow me out of loneliness. And so, so this is the reality that, that you have been given a word. Not a rule, but a word. And the word's name is Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And this Word did not stay up in the heavens. This Word came to, to Nazareth and to, to the ancient Near East, and this Word has come to your door 
and is asking to be let in. Faith lives peacefully in the tension and the mystery of grace and truth. Um, Andy Stanley does a wonderful job of, of illustrating this, uh, of, of, of explaining that Jesus did not come as the perfect balance of grace and truth. He came full of both, full of grace and full of truth. And, and so, so here's, here's the, the reality. Um, liberalism... You know, liberalism does away with truth and, and, and focuses solely on grace. It resolves the tension between these two by just tossing out the truth. Legalism resolves the tension between the two by, by tossing out the grace. But the truth is, we live in a tension between these two. That there is an infinite grace available to us. But this grace is going to call forth uh, our lives out of the shadows of lies into uh, the, the life-changing power of truth. And, and we don't always want to kind of hear this message. We can't lapse into liberalism. We can't lapse into legalism. We've got to, to understand that in the relationship we have with the living word of God, the one who was full of grace and truth is going to fill our lives with grace and with truth. And it will always require trust. I want to read for you a story. And I want to read a longer uh, bit of, of, of scripture if I can. Um, so I'm going to ask us ADD Americans with a you know, 30 second attention span to, to, to focus in on this story for a little bit. All right. Use your imaginations as you, as you, as you hear the story. Don't go uh, two-dimensional, flat, you know, you know. Use your story and hear the words and in your mind make a movie and, and be there. We're joining the story just after the feeding of the 5,000 we talked about last week, which was just after the, you know, the, the murder of, of John. When they had crossed over, oh, and also Jesus walking on water. So we kind of got like miracle and miracle and impossible and miracle and, okay, so you got it. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. And all who touched him were healed. You know, the begging to touch his cloak, the only way I can kind of explain that in my own little head is that there was such a crowd around Jesus that, that the people Jesus was looking at, you know, uh, and, and touching, they were being healed, but there were people farther away and, and desperate for their little girl to be well, desperate for their son to be well, desperate for their wife or husband to, to have hope in their life. And, and they're kind of trying to push through the crowd and just reach through, through all the crowd and, and shouting and noise, you know, Jesus, you know, Jesus, please, please, Jesus, me too, he, heal me. And, 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 and all day, Jesus is just in this amazing, up-close, um, messy, personal encounter with, with people, uh, revealing the power of the Word of God in relationship to heal broken life. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? Why don't they wash their hands before they eat? 
Okay, before you ever judge any of these Pharisees, you know, we gotta kind of look real hard in the mirror first. And we're gonna come back to this, but do you understand what's going on? Well, let, let, let me come back real quick. Jesus replied, why do you break the command of God for the sake of your traditions? And then where they have just seen the people's lives being changed in miraculous ways, they shift from that to fine technical points of the law. These, these non-essentials that, that human beings argue about all the time that are complete exercises in missing the point. Here is God incarnate right in front of them changing lives. And what are they concerned about? Hand washing. Look, here's a bottle of Purell. Let's get back to the point. Jesus, but for a moment, just shows them the hypocrisy of their own uh, righteousness. I, uh, you know, and this is the religious move that, that is about knowledge. I've told you guys before that Jesus never made a single disciple by taking somebody into a classroom and, and only adding to the knowledge in their heads. When you do that with people, this is what you get. You get people who began to make up doctrines and theologies that they can then, uh, you know, use as clubs to beat other people with. And then we write 10 volume theologies about how things are, but the glory of God will never fit into any volume that any human being can write. And if you want to know the, the main thing, it's right here in the New Testament. It's Jesus, just Jesus. But we will find ways to divide and find ways to condemn and find ways to, you know, to reject and to feel superior. And again, sometimes it's the brand loyalty of our denomination. Oh, you're, you're one of those? Okay. And, and I'm not going to have anything to do with you. A Catholic priest and I were doing a funeral one time, which I guess was kind of unusual. And an offended Catholic um, family member, because this person was, had, had been accepted Jesus and had followed him in baptism and was living for Jesus before they died. And this person came up really, really angry at me um, for breathing. And, and they came up and, and, and the, the priest and I were talking and they, they walked directly in the front of us. And really, there was, I mean, literally, it's like, oh, a great view of the back of your head. And they said, Father, is there anything we can do to undo that baptism? I'm going, I don't think so. <laughs> you know? Somehow this had, you know, it wasn't about relationship with this person. It was about a brand loyalty that, that mattered, trumped all. And Jesus just simply goes to the heart and says, look, those of you who are depending on rules and your superior understanding of, of what you believe to be Scripture, you don't even know what you're talking about. You want to go toe-to-toe -to -toe about what the truth of Scripture is? Bring it on. And I will show you that what you think of, you're so right about in Scripture and so willing to divide over other people and condemn over other people, I'll show you that, that at the deeper levels you've even got that wrong. And so Jesus begins to dive into this, this uh, practice of, of the, the, the Pharisees. And the practice was um, that, uh, that, you know, you were supposed to tithe on everything. Um, and, and, and they would even tithe on like salt. Like if you put salt in a salt shaker, however much salt was in there, they'd tie the tenth of that. Uh, you got cinnamon that you make, I mean a tenth of everything. I mean it was just like they were, they were just masters at metrics. 
But Jesus says, why do you break the command of God for the sake of tradition? For God said, honor your father and mother and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. These are Old Testament law. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might have received from me is devoted to God. In other words, no social security, the plan in old age uh, of, of, a, you know, of a parent was to be taken care of by their child. But, but the, the Pharisees, to get around this, would simply say, Mom and Dad, I know that you're unable to work and don't have any money, and I would help you, but the money I was going to give to you, I'm, I'm devoting it to God. It's, you know, Old Testament's like Corban. I'm, I'm devoting this to God, so I would love to help you. Know you're hungry, but, but God comes first. Oh, you're so religious and so righteous. You're going to put God first. No, you're just making this stuff up. You, thus, you nullify God's word for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their hearts are far from me. We are all masters of, of missing the point. And if you're not very careful in your life, you and I will live missing the point. And the point is Jesus. It is just Jesus. It is relationship with Jesus. And, and Jesus said the issue is nearness. It's a distance issue. And Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand. And, and, he, and he said, you know, what, what goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean. It's what comes out of his mouth that make, what makes him unclean. And then the disciples came to him and said, you know the Pharisees were offended when they, they heard you say this. And Jesus said, every plant my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a, a pit. And Jesus basically explains in verse 19, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder and adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, lies, and slander, putting other people down behind their backs. These are what make a man unclean, but eating with unwashed hands doesn't make him unclean. Guys, Jesus' touch means something in life. And you have two different visions of an encounter with Jesus. In chapter 14, verses 34 through 36, you have this kind of crazy life change and, and the touch of Jesus. Jesus in the crowd healing the sick and, and, and you know, the broken right and left. People finding hope for their souls and, 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 and the physical healing was not the only healing. But the, you just see the light coming on in people's lives and, and eternity opening up and, and darkness being pushed back and, and, and the dawn rising in, in, in the human soul. And it's just this beautiful chaotic scene of Jesus touching broken life after broken life. And then you fast forward over here and there's a religious encounter about doctrine and theology. Not the big stuff of salvation but of the stupid stuff that we make up to, to you know exclude other people. It's just such a crazy contrast. But Jesus' touch means something. And I want to remind you, lest we be too churchy and too sanitized and too all dressed up nice, you and I are broken people without a hope in the world except for Jesus. And when Jesus touches our life, there's joy. And we can dance and we can sing and, and shout and we can live differently. 
Jesus' touch means something. It's a reason to celebrate, a reason to live, a reason to, to lift our hands and, and praise our God. And, and it transforms us from living soul sick to becoming eternally alive. And there is, there is deadness in these very seats here that, that doesn't believe it can live. But, but, but I want to tell you what God said in the Old Testament is true to all of us. These dead bones of ours can live again. And it's the breath of God. It's, it's, it's up close and personal encounter with Jesus that changes everything. But Jesus only touches the willing, brokenhearted people. In verse four, chapter 14, verse 36, um, the scripture says that, that people brought all their sick to them and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. And all who touched him were healed. We have somehow come from this idea, you know, we've, we've, we've come from this idea of being desperate for Jesus to, to being pushed towards Jesus. And let me just tell you, uh-uh, it didn't work. You don't want Jesus? Stay away. Run away. You want crazy? You want frozen cold? You want to be soul sick and hopeless for all of eternity? Go for it. But if you want Jesus, you got to run to him. And you got to be so broken that your self-control and your pride is just down the drain and, and you're ready to get on your knees and, and beg for a life change. That's when Jesus gets real. The rest is just religious garbage and, and, and legalistic lies. Until we're desperate and in need and willingly loved, we'll die in the distance of legalism. And there's so many of us here today who long to be loved, but we're just not willing Believed you can be loved. Let love win. It's never too late to let love win. And I'm just telling you today, love can win in your life. Eternity can come alive. This can be a turning point for you, for you that is so huge. Legalism is so dead. Churchianity is so dead, so dry. But a growing personal relationship in, in voice distance from Jesus, that's, that's, that's everything. That's exciting. That's what I want to give my life for. Guys, Jesus said these, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Jesus' love is a contagious love. That's what we're talking about in terms of being a growing church. It's a contagious love. And, and, and in verse 34, it says, when they'd crossed over and landed, when the people that place recognized Jesus, they sent word all over the country and, and people ran to Jesus. And the truth is that, that Jesus is contagious love. Anyone who recognizes Jesus runs to his love and they bring other people to his love. If you and I aren't bringing other people to, to, to the love of God, it's because we probably don't recognize the love of God. That little boy being, I'll never forget, there's, there's a very famous picture, but I'm, I'm talking about even a video image of a little boy being pulled out of the rubble and rushed to the hospital there was a real clarity on what the main thing was. The point is, get him help. We know where to go. We're not embarrassed to take this little boy to the hospital. We know that, 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 he, that he needs help. And there's just this, this brilliant clarity that says, we come from broken and we, we go on a journey and, and, and we're going to the place of healing. That's the picture of life in this world. We're all living in the rubble of, of a, a God-absent world. And Jesus is the hospital that, that we have to run to, except he's not an institution, he's a, he's a person. 
And if you let love win, you're going to get excited about it. And, and you're going you're gonna to see other people who are hurting and bleeding on the side of the road. And, and you're not going to be embarrassed about, about leading them to, to Jesus as well because he is love. So, I mean, we've got a crazy turning point choice. We can be the people of, of Matthew 14, verse 34 through 36, or we can be the people of Matthew 15, you know, 1 through, through 8. We can, we can be in the presence of the glory of the one and only. Or we can live in, in, a, in a dead legalism, asking God stupid questions like, you know, um, why don't your followers wash your, your hands? Guys, legalism divides us over small things that won't matter for eternity. And it's far easier to settle for a moralism of, of, and a life of religious rules and religious clubs and religious brand loyalties than it is to live in a world-changing personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But why settle for a life of missing the point? Why settle for being a church that has missed the whole point of Jesus? It's just relationship. And Jesus wants one with you. And you have to decide whether you're going to live dying in the distance or rush into the life of his presence and become eternally alive and change the world around you. I'm going to ask you today, I don't know how actually, how do, you, how do you preach this? How do you teach this? I don't know except I'm asking you to, to run from legalism like the plague. I'm asking you to run to Jesus um, and to live in the tension of grace and, grace and truth. Just run to Jesus, run to Jesus, run to Jesus. <clears throat> Pastor Drew, I don't know what that looks like. I don't care, just do it. He's right here. And for the rest of your life and your time on earth to keep the main thing, the main thing, it's just Jesus. So Father God, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would help us as a church and a community to be a part of the kingdom of, of heaven breaking out on earth. And Father, I pray that you would take broken people all over this auditorium to, to lead them to embrace and accept their brokenness and to run to you, Jesus, and to beg for your healing and to know that they will have it. Father, today, everyone here who wants a personal relationship with you may have it if they will just ask so that is my prayer, Father, in Jesus' name, that you would leave broken people into your healing presence and God, that you would change them forevermore. In Jesus' name, lead us to this turning point. Let's stand. As all God's people say, amen. Thank you for joining us today at the church at Severn Run. Please visit our website at severnrun.com for church service information, staff directories, or for prayer requests. And if you're in the D.C. Baltimore area, we'd love to have you join us at 8187 Telegraph Road in Severn, Maryland. We look forward to worshiping with you.